Second Timothy chapter one is where Brother Williams had us just a moment ago, and he uh, did pretty good. Anessa, and what'd you say, Anesophorus? Anesophorus. So I got to be honest to you. I'm just a simple guy, simple preacher, and I was reading that phonetically, and I was, went to him. I said, "How do you say it?" <laughs> And uh, so then I got out my Bible, Bible reading app on my phone, and I looked it up, and I listened to the guy with the English accent, you know, that's supposed to have it all right, and then he really messed me up. <laughs> so it looks like Onesiphorus in, in verse 16, and he said, Onesiphorus, and I was like, okay. So if I can't say it, if I stumble over it, a lot of times it's just going to become Mr. O, just want you to know that, Okay. <laughs> All right, just it'll be Mr. O, but that's okay. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm just going to read it again one more time. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Anesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Let's pray again. Lord Jesus, I need you. Help me, please. Holy Spirit of God. Lord, you have a purpose to this message. And I know this is what you want. Lord, it is not... uh, it's not something familiar, Lord, not something that, that normally I would think of, of preaching, but God, you gave me this specifically. And I pray that you would help uh, us together, Lord, believers, unbelievers today, Lord, if someone needs to get saved here, that Lord, they trust in Christ today. They know today is a day of salvation. Lord, maybe believers here would understand this thought that you're bringing to us, and Holy Spirit, that you would prick hearts and help today. Lord, use me how you see fit. Lord, that you'd preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the, the background here? Obviously, I'm pointing out this man with this funny name, Anisiphorus, I think is how you say it, according to the guy on the app. All right? <laughs> Anisiphorus. All right? And uh, we don't know much about this guy. I looked up his name and I found that this is the only book uh, of the Bible where he's ever mentioned, 2 Timothy. So 2 Timothy is Paul writing to his son in the faith, a man that he had led to Christ and that he was training for the ministry and that he had put somewhere to be a preacher of the gospel and he's writing back to him to encourage him and to help him and he mentions to Timothy, there's a man here that you know, uh, Anisiphorus. All right, am I still saying that right? Anisif, whatever, Mr. O. And uh, he says, Mr. O uh, is somebody that I want you to, to remember. Now, the only thing that Paul mentions about him in these three verses, the only thing that stands out, it, it, he didn't really talk about his job or what he did or where he's at and all these things, but he mentions really one thing, and that was his kindness to Paul. That is the one thing that stands out about this man. The only thing we read about this man is the fact that he was very kind to the Apostle Paul. I want you to just consider that today. When I looked up his name 
and looking at the definition of what his name means, his name meant prophet bearer. And that doesn't mean he ran around picking up little preachers and carrying them around, all right, and prophets. But it, it P-R-O-F-I-T, all right, that possibly if his name meant what he did, maybe he was a tax collector. Or maybe he delivered those taxes to different uh, governors or over to Rome to, the, to, to Caesar or whatever the case. But that's what his name meant. All right, doesn't say, it doesn't, Paul doesn't focus on this. We really don't know anything else about him, but that's what his name meant. I find it interesting, though, that the only thing Paul has to talk about is how kind and merciful he was to Paul. His kindness. What's the time frame here? Well, Paul, writing this letter to Timothy, Paul is in Rome. We know, if, if you've studied the, the book of Acts, Paul uh, ends up in Rome near, at the end of his life. And uh, he's, uh, he's a prisoner. He's captive. He's taken by ship in a very long, long trip. Uh, if you read in the end of the book of Acts there, uh, as, it, as it takes them to get... He was shipwrecked even on the way there and off on an island and bit by a snake and all these things, right? It was a long, uh, a long road to get there. But he gets there and he's given to a soldier and left by himself. Uh, the, and this is, uh, uh, this is what I want to read to you out of Acts 28. Just listen here. It, the Bible says here, And when we came to Rome, this is Luke writing here. Luke penned the book of Acts, the, the history there of what happened. And it says, And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. All right? I've heard people say Paul was under house arrest. And I guess I don't really know what that means exactly. But when I, when I read that, it means there was a soldier that watched after Paul. One-on-one here. Okay? And then verse 20, down in that chapter, Acts 28, down the chapter, it says... For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you. This is Paul talking to elders, uh, 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 Christian leaders there in Rome. Okay, And he says, for this reason I called unto you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. So what I believe here by reading Acts there, that Paul was given to a, to a soldier of Rome and he was shackled to him in some way or form. Either there was a short chain between that man and this man, or perhaps uh, he was chained at a spot and a soldier was on, on duty to watch him specifically. Whatever the case was, he was with this man chained up. And, uh, and, and I believe that means chained to a soldier. So wherever the soldier went, whatever the soldier did, that meant that Paul was with him. All right, and so Paul here, this near the end of his life. If you if you were if you're in the book of Second Timothy with me, if you flip over to chapter four here, in chapter four we have some famous text uh, that we're uh, accustomed to. He says in verse six, Second Timothy four six says, "For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand." I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. All right. He's talking about, hey, I'm about ready to be martyred. I'm, I know my end is near. I know what's coming. And it's, it's near the end of his life. And so that's the time frame that we're speaking of when he's mentioning this man, Mr. O. Okay. Uh, this, this letter that he writes to Timothy 
is circa AD 66, according to Usher's dating system that many of you would have in your Bible. If you, if you have uh, dates there in the middle of your Bible or at the top of the page, oftentimes it's associated with a scholar of, of a couple hundred, uh, at least 150 years ago by the name of Usher, and I use his dates often. These type of things are not inspired, they're not of God, but they are, uh, here's a man that has been trusted for many years on his dating system. And so roughly about A.D. 66. Now, what's going on? Paul's in Rome, he's chained to a soldier, and he's seeing uh, some decline in, in churches. He's seeing where some Christians have thrown in the towel and some have given up. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read about how in the last days perilous times shall come. And he starts describing men and their actions and, and some things like that. Uh, notice in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the verse before we started with, uh, in verse 15. In verse 15, look what it says. In 2 Timothy 1.15, the Bible says, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia... Be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. All right, so Asia, what are we talking about? There was a time when Paul desired to go east into Asia, farther into Asia, and the Holy Spirit didn't allow him. He sent him west uh, towards uh, Greece and all of that. He's talking about Asia Minor here, where modern day Turkey. Is what he's talking about. And in modern day Turkey, there was a lot of churches there that we are familiar with. Ephesus was there. Yes? Colossians was there. Uh, Colossi was there. Ephesus was there. Uh, 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 I think uh, uh, Smyrna and uh, Philadelphia and some others that we're familiar with reading in the, the back, of, uh, their, back of the Bible in the book of Revelation. And Jesus is speaking to some of these churches. You can see on your maps in the back of your Bible as well. And um, sometimes we have letters uh, in the Bible that are written to these churches. And so he says, these Christians have turned from me. They're, maybe they're ashamed of me. Maybe they're ashamed because now I'm a prisoner. Maybe they're ashamed of for some reason, but they've turned their back on me. Uh, notice in chapter 4 again, 2 Timothy 4, at the end of the book here, verse 16. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, he says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Obviously, Paul went through a lot of difficulties in his life, but here at the end of his life, he's saying, everybody's bailed on me. All right? I, I thought uh, I had some friends in, in, in the ministry. I thought I had some Christians that, were, that, that, that believed in what I was doing. And, and he said, a lot of people have turned from me and they've gone a different route and they've left me. And, and he's just mentioning that. But yet, in our text here, in chapter 1, in verse 16, he mentions Mr. O here. And he says, this man was kind to me. This man showed me mercy. And I want you to see in these verses... What that really meant. Look again in verse 16 of chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1.16. The Bible says, The Lord gave mercy unto the, excuse me, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Anesiphorus. Anesiphorus, Mr. O. For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Okay? Now, 
I believe by reading this text that this man has already died. That he's not alive anymore. If you notice here, he says, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Mr. O. He doesn't actually talk about Mr. O himself, but he says, Lord, would you grant mercy to his house? If one more time, I'll have you flip to the end of the book in chapter 4. For me, it's just one page. In, in chapter 4 here, and uh, look at verse number, let's see here. Uh, I've lost it. Amen. Look at, oh, there it is. Verse number 19. Chapter 4, verse 19. Look what he says. Salute Priscilla and Aquila. Those are two people we've heard before. Those are two names. Faithful to Paul in the ministry. Salute these two people. And then look. And the household of Onesiphorus. This is why I believe that perhaps this man has already died. He's already with the Lord. Because... He doesn't actually mention the man by names, like talking to him, but rather to his household. And so it seems as if this man has since died and on into glory. And perhaps we can say, well, why, why, is, he, why is he dead? Why is he, why is he passed at this point? Maybe he, it was because of the great persecution. Uh, maybe it was because he was in Rome helping Paul. Maybe it was because of health. We really don't know, but we can determine it seems as if he's already passed. All right. And then the Bible says in verse 16, for he oft refreshed me. That word refreshed here means to make cool again, to make cool again. And so as I was studying that, reading that a little bit, trying to understand that, did this man perhaps deliver fresh fruits to Paul? Or perhaps juice of those fruits? Uh, they didn't really have AC in those days, right? So to make cool again, how did he do that? Did he bring him some water? Did he bring him some juice? Did he bring him some fresh fruits? Or was it just him being there saying, Paul, I love you and I'm here. What do you need? You know, what, do, you, do you need somebody to talk to? Do you need somebody to, to help, uh, to, to get something for you? What do you need, Paul? Obviously, you're in chains. What can I do for you? Either way, the Bible says here that, that this man refreshed Paul. And he was not ashamed of my chain, the Bible says. Look at verse 17. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Now, I looked up very diligently, and those two words, very diligently, are one word in the Greek, and, it, and it's stated on purpose, it's not by accident, it's in our Bible here, and it means more earnest than others, and it points to being prompt or quick about it. So considering that, here's this man who is in Rome searching for Paul. He knows he's there, but he doesn't know where he's at, and he's searching for him. Is it possible that the authorities were a little hush-hush about it? It's possible. Uh, is it possible that, uh, that it was dangerous for this man to look for Paul? I think so, very much so. Okay, if, if he's going around Rome and he's going, Hey, have you heard about a prisoner named Paul? I'm trying to find him. To the, to the upper class, those of wealth and those in, in, in some kind of a, a position, that might seem a little sneaky. Why do you want to know where the prisoner's at? You know, what, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to break him out? Trying to, trying to take care of business? What are you trying to do here? 
right? If he's asking the poor or the folks that uh, aren't as, uh, uh, aren't, uh, don't have positions or whatever, they might try to take advantage of him, right? Uh, well, for the, for the right amount of money. I mean, money talks. Come on. I'll, I'll tell you what I've heard. Show me a 20. Well, if you really want something, you know, show me a 50. Show me the Benjamins, right? Or something. I don't know. But we can understand these things. Or if he's along the rough crowd, the thief crowd, the, the gangster, whatever you want to call them, right? That would be dangerous as well. So here's this man rooting around. Remember, Rome was the capital city of the world at this time. Rome was the biggest, the biggest thing. Rome, Rome was it. And, uh, and so he's going around Rome, and it was a large city, and he's searching for this. And it says here, very dil- diligently, means uh, he was doing it earnestly, and he was prompt and quick about it, where possibly others could have quit or thrown in the towel, or said, at least, at least I tried. But instead, this man went the distance. He went all the way. And then it says, and found me. Notice the text there on purpose of what he's saying. It sounds as if it would took a little bit to find Paul, and he was very diligent about it so that he finally accomplished his goal. It was not an easy task. It, the way the, the wording is there and the way that I believe it to, to be there. And look at the, verse 18. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. What does that mean, in that day? I believe that's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. I believe that's talking about when, when this man, Mr. O, stands before Christ, that God would reward him for his efforts. And Paul is praying that way, that this man would be rewarded. And then he says, In how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So he's talking to Timothy, and he says, You remember this man when we went through Ephesus together. You remember this man and how he was kind and he ministered to me and he was helpful to me and and he did these things for me. He says, you know, you were there. You remember that. And then since then, I've been in Rome and he came looking for me. Again, we don't know why he was in Rome. Maybe he was there for business. Maybe he was there for another reason, but he sought out Paul on purpose. I guess that we'd also say it is possible that he took a missions trip, if you will, and went specifically looking for Paul. I guess that's possible as well. We just don't know these things. right? And so that's what the scripture is saying about this man. But there's a few things here that I want to point out to you. And again, Anesiphorus, if I'm saying that correctly, Mr. O here, the one thing he was known for was his kindness. Was his kindness. Preacher, are you talking to us today about being kind? Yes. I am. Preacher. Wait a minute, Pastor John, you're getting soft on us? I mean, you're going to, we want to say kumbaya and sit around a fire and, and uh, hold hands together? No, I don't want to do any of that. But being kind to people is scriptural. Amen. Being kind with our mouths is Bible. Amen. Being kind in our actions towards people is Bible. And that's why this man stood out to Paul. A few observations with this text. We've only given, we're only given three uh, verses here. But his kindness, notice his kindness was an action. He didn't, he didn't just, well, yeah, when I see him, hi, how you doing? You know, can I open the door for you? But he, he went out of his way. He went and he did something for Paul. 
and, and, and get either refreshed him by giving him something or by being present for Paul. His, his kindness was an action. Secondly, his, he went out of his way to be kind. He searched through a town, a, a city, to find this man. He went out of his way, and it was a way of life, not just a single moment. Notice here in, in Ephesus the, how he ministered unto him, and then again in Rome. It was his way of life. It was something that, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't just he gave him $10 and said, hey, get a bite to eat. It was a lifetime. It was a, a purpose of kindness showing towards Paul here. I had a wonderful privilege, and many of you know this, just this week on Tuesday to preach the funeral of my wife's grandmother. And we went back up from Michigan, a pretty quick whirlwind trip, but we, we, we got up there and, and met with the family, and, and uh, of course, I knew her very well, and, and, uh, but wanted to meet with them and get some stories about her and all that, and then Tuesday preached the funeral, and then Wednesday we came back home. And it was such a joy to preach this woman's funeral. It was. First of all, she was saved. And I had, I had, I mean, it's wonderful to preach somebody who's saved at their funeral. Because I can say, hey, I know where they are, and let me tell you how I know that. And I give the truth of the Word of God and how, they, how she knew she was saved. It's wonderful. And I even have the, 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 the story, the account of how she got saved, and, and the preacher she was talking to, and when, when it happened. But it wasn't just that. It's the fact that my wife's grandmother, uh, her name was Ione, and uh, it's the fact that she was such a kind and gracious woman. That every time that, that I was telling a story, well, this is what grandma did. Well, they don't say grandma. It's up in Michigan, right? They say grandma. I, I had to fix that real quick. I got back up there because I'm just used to saying grandma. And uh, she's grandma. It's a whole different name to them anyways. Amen. Okay. So I had to fix that. But uh, it's grandma, right? And uh, I got, got to hear all these different stories. One of the, one of the grand, grandsons said, it didn't matter what junky toy or thing I made or whatever it was. It was the biggest piece of junk. But I'd take it to Grandma, and, and she'd say, wow, that's really something. And she was just kind. That was her nature. She was kind-hearted. And uh, it didn't matter who you were. Uh, if, she, uh, if you were over her house, she fed you. That's just how it was. She, had, she was always cooking food. They lived on a farm, and, and uh, they milked cows, and they had a lot of hired hands in, and all those hired hands were always at the house eating. Because she, what she did was she fed people. She was a very kind woman. I was asking God to uh, give me Scripture that would describe her and, and, and be able to use for the funeral. You know, and I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, give me, give me the right Scripture. And immediately he gave me Proverbs 31. Immediately. He said, this is it. This is, this is Proverbs 31. If you're not familiar with that text, God describes a virtuous woman. And uh, in that text, verse 26 says, In her tongue is the law of kindness. It's kindness. Now, church family, we know the day and the world we live in. And this world is not kind. It is not. If you don't agree with me, then I ought to tell you about it. Make sure you know my opinion. And if you don't line up with my opinion, well, then I'm going to do something about it. The opposite of kindness, isn't it? It used to be that we lived in a country that I had a right to believe a certain way. And I had a right to express that belief. 
And it didn't matter if you disagreed or if I disagreed with you that we respected one another for where we were at. That's the country that I was raised in. That's the way that I was taught. But yet that's not the case anymore. But here's the problem. It goes further than that. The church is reflecting the world. The church is reflecting the world. Sometimes Christians think, well, as long as I'm not like the world, then I'll be okay. Let's just, for instance, real quick, let's just use it in illustration. All right. Um, Brother Williams, will you hop up for me? And Brother Horton, will you hop up for me real quick? All right. Uh, let's just say that, uh, um, well, these two men are great men. One of them's got to be God and one of them's got to be the world. Um, yeah, we know the truth. All right. So here's, here's, here's the Lord over here, okay? I don't, mean to be, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to use an illustration real quick, all right? God just gave it to me. All right. So that's the world. Okay. All right. Amen. Okay. So here I am, right? I'm supposed to have my eyes fixed on Jesus. With me? I'm supposed to have my eyes fixed on Jesus. Does Jesus ever change? No, he doesn't. So if Jesus never changes, I never change, right? Because I'm supposed to have my eyes fixed on him. But here's the problem. Here's the world. Hi, world. Come on over here. Right there, right there. Okay, turn, smile. Okay. Okay, good. All right. If my philosophy and my mentality is to always keep a distance from the world. And let's just say I'm just a couple steps away from the world because I don't want to be like the world. What happens when the world changes? And it goes that way. Then I go that way, don't I? And I go that way, don't I? I like pushing him around. You with me? Look where I am now, where I used to be over there. Because I'm just staying away from the world. Instead of keeping my eyes focused on Jesus Christ. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. Okay. The church is reflecting the world. Many of you understand this, but even fundamentalism got very cruel and mean for a time. We're supposed to be the servants of Christ and and representing my Lord Jesus Christ and giving the gospel and the love of Christ to the world. And we got in our... Our stances where I'm going, I mean, they fought some hard fights. I mean, the guys before me and men and, and, and come out and there were some hard battles to fight. But we got unbalanced, didn't we? We got unbalanced and we got cruel. I'm talking about pushing people away just because they were a little different than us. You know what I'm talking about. And shame on us for that. Can I say that? Shame on us. I know it's quiet in here because a lot of us are guilty. Shame on us. Shame on me. My my God is kind-hearted and He's loving. I want you to go with me to the book of Luke real quick. book of Luke, and I want to show you something here. It's easy for a man up here in the pulpit to start ripping face and tearing down people and being cruel and because I took this stance right here and everybody else is different and they're not following the way I'm following and I start getting mean a little bit about it. And you know what I'm talking about. Especially in the area of standards, isn't it? 
My God says I'm supposed to stand before Jesus Christ and what I, where I believe, and I'm going to have to answer for that. But yet, in, in fundamentalism, if this person looks a little different than I do, then they've got to know about it that I don't agree with them. And I can get cruel about it. No, 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 no. That's not what my Jesus said. Not at all. Look at Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 49, would you please? Luke chapter 9, verse 49. This is one instance, but he, he mentions it several times. One instance, Luke 9, verse 49. The Bible says, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Is that what your Bible says? Because that's what mine says. You know what that means? That means I've got another guy's got a church down the road and he's a little bit different than me, but he's preaching Christ and giving the gospel. I ought to keep my mouth shut about it. That's what my Bible says right there. With me? What do we do? We're, we're reflecting the world and we're being awfully much like the world and not like Christ. And we can't keep our mouth shut and we're being cruel and mean and ignorant towards people. Because that's what the world's doing. That's what the world's doing. And this is a little something that's been uh, just stewing in me for a little bit because uh, Lord Jesus is trying to help me be the right kind of pastor and be the right kind of preacher to do it correctly the way that pleases Him. And, and uh, I know that I needed this reminder and, and uh, Lord wanted this for this morning. God said, uh, Lord Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18. I won't have you turn there, but I'll just read it. He said, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Woe to that man. I'm supposed to show the love of Christ. I'm supposed to reflect that. When I go out soul winning, I'm supposed to tell people that Jesus Christ loves them and died for them. And it doesn't matter where they're at and what they look like and what they're involved in. You, you read the accounts of Scripture. You don't see Jesus. When, remember, remember, and I'm, I'm, the, chapter, the book and chapter is escaping me at the moment. But remember, he's at the temple. And the Pharisees drag out a woman caught in adultery. Drag her out. And they're ready to stone her. You think that Jesus said, oh, you sinner. Oh, let's talk about this and, and just beat her up for a little bit. No. He actually deals with everybody else, doesn't he? He says, if you're without sin, then you can cast that stone. You can cast that first stone. And they all went away. You know what he told her? He didn't, he didn't just skip over the sin. He said, go and sin no more. He dealt with the issue, but he did it with such kindness and graciousness. You look at the woman at the well and other, other issues and different things. You look at the thief on the cross. Remember, there's two of them on the cross next to him, right? And one of them's reviling him and all this, and he kept his mouth shut. And then another one said, would you remember me? Would you remember me? And he showed kindness and grace. Folks, are we, are we looking like the world or are we looking like Christ? Because those are two different things.
Let's change, let's change the way we are with our mouths and with our attitudes and with our actions towards other people. You with me? There's, there's uh, these men up on the platform. And, and they work right alongside with me. And I appreciate them. But not every one of them is just like me. Praise God. God made us unique, right? Praise God I'm not like them, okay? Especially the world, all right? So I'm, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, but, uh, but it would be easy because we're a little bit different in our, in our wants, in our desires, and maybe, maybe in our, uh, on our preferences. We're a little bit different. Yes? It would be easy for two of them or for two of us to get little spit spats from every once in a while. Is that really necessary? No, it's not. If I remember that I ought to be like Christ. And I ought to give these men some room. Because just because they're not like me and look and shape my mold of what you're right here, that doesn't matter if they're standing before God doing right before Him. You with me? Folks, we're guilty. Lord, help us to be like you and not like the world. So people aren't like us. And we got to rise up in arms? No, 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 no. Let them be. Let them be. Let's show them instead that Jesus loves them and wants to save them and then let the Holy Spirit of God work in their heart and grow them instead of me trying to be in the place of God. With me? I don't care what standard we're talking about or what thing we're talking about. Well, we, we have lately, uh, last Sunday night I was preaching about music. And uh, the Sunday night before, or one before that, I was preaching about alcohol and different things. And I'm trying to teach you what the Bible has to say and not what some man's opinion is. Because it's God that changes hearts, not, not a man. Not a man. Let's be kind. Go with me to James chapter 4, please. James chapter 4. In James 4, he's talking about being judgmental here, being, being judging one another. In James 4, and look at verse number 12. Well, let's go to, let's go to verse 11. James 4, 11. The Bible says here, pages are so rustling. Hit Hebrews, keep on going, one book, right? If you hit Revelation, back it up a couple, a few, Amen. James chapter 4. Look at verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? See that right there? What business do I have casting my judgment upon you? That's God's job, isn't it, right there? There's one lawgiver. There's one that judgeth, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's be cautious on this thing. This is not something preached very often. It's not something we hear very often. And, oh, man, that preacher's getting soft. No, I'm trying to be like Christ. Amen. 
And I'm trying to help you as your pastor to be more like Christ and quit with our mouth attacking one another and be unified and let people have liberty in the gospel here and in the word of God to stand before God as they see fit. Amen? That's Bible. It's not heard of much anymore, but it's still Bible. And Jesus said, be kind. Other scripture here. Well, when, I, when I'm thinking about James 4 here, he says, I'm just going to read it again, verse 12. Who, at the end of it, who art thou that judges another? He said, there's one, there's one judge, there's one lawgiver, there's one God. And who are you to try to be in his place? It sounds like when we cast judgment upon people, when we're giving people our opinions that, and being cruel with that thing, uh, it sounds like it's a little blasphemous, doesn't it? That we're trying to be in the place of God when that's not, that's not our job? That's what it sounds like to me. Look at some other scripture. Well, listen to some other scripture. I'll read to you here. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Man, that's something right there. Preferring one another? That means that when, when Brother Horton and I disagree that I have a preference and he has a preference, the Bible's telling me to go with his preference. Isn't that what it just said? That's what the Bible says. Why? Because that's kindness. That's kindness. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Charity suffereth long. This is the love chapter. Charity there is, uh, is, uh, it means love. Okay, it's an old English word. It means love here. Charity today, we have narrowed it, narrowed, narrowed it and we think about just giving out money or giving out food. That's not what it's meant here. It's meant love, Christian love, sacrificial love. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity, charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It's not about you, right? That's what the Bible's saying here. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians chapter 3, Put on therefore as the elect of God, Holy and beloved. He's saying there, what he's, what he's saying, he's about to give a list. And he says, put on therefore, like we would put on a coat. Literally, clothe yourself in this. All right, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Um, I find it interesting that he says, what are you going to put on? You're going to put on bowels of mercies and bowels of kindness, all that. Why does he say bowels? Well, if you, if you consider bowels, all right, we think of just uh, waste and getting rid of all that. But really, that whole region, there's a lot of... So, uh, of life-sustaining uh, things in the region of the bowels. There's our reproductive organ, organs as well, isn't there? Yes. He's saying, don't just live this, but teach it to your children. 
and to the next generation. Putting on those bowels of mercies and kindness and all these other things. Second Peter 1 says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Here it is, a, a, a growth chart, a Christian growth chart. Second Peter chapter 1, I encourage you to look at it. See where you are on the growth chart. And he says, add to your faith, first one, virtue. Do what's right because it is right. And to your virtue, knowledge. Learn the word. And to your knowledge, temperance. What is temperance? It's self-control. That's what temperance is. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, last thing, I'm going to ask you to go to one more scripture, and then we're going to be done. John chapter 13, please. John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, Jesus said that people will recognize us by something. And this is what he says. John chapter 13, look at verse 34. He says, if you want people to recognize you as a Christian, as a follower of me, what does he say? John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. My friends, you will, if you want to find somebody that is bitter and tearing down people on the internet, you can find them. There are people, so-called people that are so-called Christians that are on the internet and all they do is bash preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher because they don't, they, they don't line up with them. There's people that carry around lists of, of reasons why they don't agree with this person and why they don't agree with that person and so they can tell people when they're out and about. I'm telling you, it's real. I'm sure, I, I've, I've only been pastor here, what, seven, eight months now. I've probably made somebody's website on something I've said. You know why? Because I'm on the internet. And they have a video clip of me saying, do this, or you can do that, or you can't do this, or you can't do that, or whatnot. Pastor Bain was. Brother Owens was. But lots of other people were. Pastor Don, maybe, I'm not sure. Internet really wasn't around too much back then, was it? <laughs> okay? Right? Do we look like the world or do we look like Christ? That's really where it's at. How do people recognize you? Do they recognize you? Not by what you're wearing. Not by, not by where you go to church or what car you're driving or where you work. Jesus said, if you want to look like my disciple, then love people. Love people. Be kind. That means with our mouths, with our actions, with our attitude. Man, we get 
We can attack people so quickly, can't we? In our flesh. But in our spirit. If you want to look like Christ, put on some kindness. Put on some kindness. Let's bow together, please. Lord, we need you. Very simple message today, but very real and very much so Bible. Lord, I know that this is not a common message. It's not uh, a, a necessarily a, a hard, powerful message. But I know, Lord, that it's the truth of the Word of God. And Lord, I had promised, and I believe this is what you'd want, that I would preach the whole counsel of God. Not just parts of it. Not just easy parts. Not just the parts that, that I can yell and scream about. But God, the whole counsel of God. And this morning, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us, please, to be people of kindness toward one another in this church and towards those that are without. Lord, whether, whether somebody's rode the bus today or whether somebody drove in today or whether we meet them out and about or they're on a corner or where they might be, Lord, that we would show kindness. Lord, I pray that you'd help us with that. May we be faithful as the disciples were supposed to be, to look more like you, to be a little bit more like Jesus today, be recognized as a disciple because of our love toward one another. Lord, maybe somebody here today doesn't even know about being a disciple and say, well, I'm not a disciple and and I I, want to be. Lord, there might be somebody here today that doesn't know for sure about their salvation. They don't know if they died right now, if, if they would be with you for eternity, or if they would go to hell. They, don't, they just don't know. They've never uh, figured that thing out. They, maybe they have some doubts. Maybe they have some fears. I pray, Lord, today during this invitation time that they would come and say, how can I know for sure I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ? How can I know for sure I'm a child of God, as the Bible says in John chapter 1? How can I know for sure that salvation is real and it is, it is for me? Lord, I pray you'd give them the courage to come forward during the invitation. Though this wasn't a primarily message about salvation, I pray that this would be a day that somebody would come and get saved if they're not saved. And Lord, I pray, please, I give that invitation that they would, if they would come, please, to get saved. I pray that others of us would come and say, Lord, forgive me of my mouth. Forgive me of my attitude. Forgive me of my, my actions towards other people. Lord, that some of us would come and say, Lord, help me never to get to that spot that I would respond in my flesh and be nasty towards others. Help me to show the love of Christ. Lord, help us now today. Would you stand with me, please, church?